today is our final week in this series, He Shall Be Called. I've deeply enjoyed teaching this series as we've talked through the prophecy of Isaiah about who the Christ would be, who Jesus would be. Um, we are holding on to the last bit of Christmas. I count, I count the week after Christmas as Christmas extended, and so it just works out that way. Um, technically, uh, today is, uh, we're celebrating Boxing Day, as the Canadians would have, um, which I believe is an ancient Canadian phrase for uh, boxing up the sweater you hate that you got and take it back to TJ Maxx. So... Um, but, but uh, uh, um, it's, uh, it's, it's it's just, I love, I love Christmas. I love singing the, the Christmas carols and celebrating all Jesus is. But I'm excited to step into the next year with you and to see all that God's going to do. I believe that it's going to be a blessed, amazing year. Um, so uh, today we are in this final uh, phrase that... that uh, Isaiah uses to describe Jesus, and it's actually interesting, as I, as I did my studies in the second week I was studying, I found that actually the way they would do this, um, these titles, is it would be a run-on sentence. You see down at the bottom of this title slide, it's got all the names. It's not really separated by commas, it was a run-on sentence. It was like, you know when you introduce a king, you see those movies where the person comes up and they're like the troubadour that comes up to announce who they are? The da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's literally a run-on sentence. The wonderful counselor, mighty God. Oh, we jumped ahead, sorry. Um, could, could go back a slide for me? Just click back one. Okay. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Like that was like all one. He spat it out all together. So it was a, a full title of God, not just commas describing Him, but His actual title of who this, this who Jesus would be. And I just love that. But uh, back in the mid 1800s, there was a young man that went off to fight in the Civil War. And he, and he fought, fought for the, the Union, Union Army, Army and, uh, and, uh, and he, he, he sat around for a long time in camp and waited and waited for his opportunity to, to fight for his, his cause and what he believed in. And uh, finally the day of the battle came, he got out of battle and unfortunately he was very seriously wounded. And uh, it, was, it was a very serious injury and the news of his son's injury came back to his father on Christmas Eve. And he received the news on Christmas Eve, and being that he was a poet, he sat down and expressed his anguish in a song that he wrote. And Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote these words as he contemplated that bleak Christmas day. He heard Christmas bells ringing in the distance. He, he, he felt this Christmas season, and he wrote down this phrase. And we can go to that next slide. He, he wrote, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong, and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And of course, at this time, there wasn't music behind it. This was a poem. And he was writing his anguish and his frustration, seeing the hatred in the world, the slavery that was going on. He was seeing the, the, um, the wickedness in the world, the killing, the slaying that was happening. And so he was very concerned about all that was happening. And so um, he's, he's, of course, quoting in this section when he says, it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He's quoting Luke chapter 2, where the angels are singing, right? They're announcing Jesus' birth, and they're singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those in whom his favor rests. And so he's saying, that song makes no sense to me. Look at what's going on. Look at my son, what's happened to him. How can this be true? And so he's experiencing this deep anguish. He's seeing the situation, the state of the world. And he's saying, what peace? What goodwill could possibly have been meant when this happened? And so there was this struggle going on within him. And we all live in this same world. Though we might not be experiencing a civil war in our country right now, you look around our world at the anguish that there is. At the, at, the, at, the, at the fighting that there's going on. There are wars that are going on some of us have never heard of. Me included. There are, there are conflicts. There are, there are murders and genocide. There are, there are uh, uh, 
famines, there are diseases, and there's crime, and there's strife all around us. And we go, where is this peace on earth that's been promised to us? And of course, we're going back to our source verse here. If you would with me, go to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9, starting in verse 6, it says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And if you've been with us for the last four weeks, I bet you're getting close to having this memorized then, huh? We've read this a lot, and it's a good verse to get deep into our soul and to remember and to bring back into our consciousness. And so Isaiah is writing this, as we talked about in our first two weeks, giving the context of what's happening here. He's writing this in a world of turmoil. In a world of brokenness, there is so much fear of the unknown. Remember, Isaiah is writing this as the Babylonian Empire is literally surrounding their little country. And they are in imminent threat of invasion. They are in imminent threat of being deported to another country. Can you imagine with me? It's hard because we live in the biggest superpower in the world. We have no fear of really any other country coming in and taking us. But living in a situation in which you could be... Have no no freedom freedom of will whatsoever. whatsoever. Another Another place place could come come in, grab you, and haul you away, separate separate you from from your family family forever. forever. Can you imagine imagine the fear of that? that? Living Living with that that knowledge that at any given moment, moment, you could be separated separated from from everyone you love, everything you know, gone. And so this is the world that Isaiah is living in. There's the risk of execution. There could be political executions. There's this political instability. The king is a madman. He's a crazy guy. And so he's looking into this world, and he's going... This This is who's who's coming. coming. A A prince prince of peace peace is coming. coming. I think think about about this instability instability and all that's going on and the fear. fear. Um, Actually, the other other day, the boys and I, my boys and I were watching on Netflix a documentary about World War II. I love World War II documentaries. And we were watching about the blitz that was happening over Britain, where Blitzkrieg happened. The Germans came through the Ardennes down into France, and France fell real quick. They, uh, they, uh, they, they did not, not put, put up, up much, much of a fight, fight. And, and boom, that, that happened, happened and, and there was, um, this, they, they, they evacuated all these soldiers, soldiers um, back, back to England, England. But, but then England, England was, was on the verge, verge of being attacked. If France falls, there's nothing but a little strip of water between them and Germany. And all Germany had to do was cross about 20 miles of open water. You think about, you could look over and at times actually see France. And you go, over there is a group of people that are... Sweeping through Europe, ready to take over everything, and the fear that they had to fear, and, and we, we they, they shared some of the the speeches that uh, that were shared by by uh, uh, by Sir. Uh, by Sir Winston Churchill, thank you, Gavin. By Sir Winston Churchill, where he actually brought his cabinet in. This wasn't a speech for everybody, but he he said, "If our little island is going to fall, let it be with the blood of our veins poured out on the streets fighting for it." Because there were people that were like, let's just make peace with Germany, whatever they want. He says, we are going to be their slaves. And you can imagine the fear of the unknown that these people were living with. This is what Israel was going through as Isaiah wrote this. And he's saying, there's going to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a, a king above all kings, a prince of peace that comes to rule and reign. And what peace is he talking about? We talked about in our world, there's still all this going on. What peace is he referring to? What would we call... I'll ask this, what would we call the opposite of peace? War, conflict, strife, 
turmoil. Yes, we, we could look at the greater scope of things like between like countries. You talk about war and conflict and personal peace. We talk about fear, anxiety, and strife, I heard. Um, all these things come, uh, come to us. As a matter of fact, someone mentioned um, worry. Worry actually comes from an old English root word that means to strangle. And when we worry, how many of you ever feel like your air supply is being cut off little by little, no matter how much you fight it? So worry uh, is part of our world, and worry wants to, uh, to strangle us. As a matter of fact, the National Institute of Mental Health lists anxiety as the number one most common form of mental illness affecting Americans. Almost 40 million, million Americans deal with anxiety. It shuts us down. It causes fear. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for anxious, that's translated as anxious, means being pulled in many directions. And I think anxiety does that. Our mind wants to go in so many different places. It starts to create scenarios. Have you ever created scenarios in your mind? When I hear an ambulance and I'm not with my family, immediately I'm like, they're going for my family. Oh, no. A story's been written. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, anxiety starts to write things that aren't, aren't necessarily happening. There's hypothetical situations that start to get built. All the fear of the unknown starts to build up with us, and peace is gone. In the book of Matthew... It talks about this Jesus, tells a story of this Jesus that Isaiah prophesies about. He says he's going to be the Prince of Peace. And here's a story that's an incredible example of what Jesus does. Starting in verse 35, it says, As evening came, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He had just given a fantastic sermon, probably better than this sermon even, believe it or not. Really good sermon. People were loving it. It was so good, people sat around for three days to enjoy the sermon. And so I am just getting started. We are going to wait out this storm. Three days of preaching. They didn't even have food. They didn't even order in Jimmy John's. They were just like in for it. And, uh, and he preached for three days. And then he's like, time to head to the other side of the lake. And so he got the disciples and they got in the boat. And so leaving the crowd, they took with him in the boat, took him, in the, took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, What? Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great Calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. Now, the truth is, we wouldn't know peace if it wasn't for the storms. It's like saying you wouldn't know darkness if it wasn't for the light, or light if it wasn't for the darkness, or, or, or vice versa. It, it's dependent on the other. And so we wouldn't know peace if it wasn't for those storms. Storms are a part of life. Storms are things that we go through. Storms are not promised that we are somehow, when we come to Christ, that like, He's like, well, it's going to be easy sailing for you from here on out. 
But storms are a part of every life, the Christian life and otherwise. And, and, and so we wouldn't know peace unless we actually go through the storm. But the truth is, and here's what Isaiah was experiencing, no matter what was going to happen, whether there be deportation, whether there be war or anything else, peace is not defined by the presence or absence of a storm, but because of who is with you in the storm. And that's what the disciples discovered. It wasn't about uh, whether or not the storm was there, but Jesus' frustration, when He stood up and He looks at them and goes, where was your faith? He wasn't scolding them because He expected them to calm the storm. Perhaps that would have been a great exercise of their faith to do, but Jesus was frustrated because He's going, I'm in the boat with you, why are you panicking? What do you think is going to happen? I'm along with you. And so when Jesus is with us, that is what defines peace. You see, in our Western context of the word peace, as we just talked about, we talked about what the antonym of the word peace is, and we, we, we talked about strife, and we talked about conflict, and we talked about anxiety and all these things. But the word peace that's used by Isaiah is shalom. How many of us have heard the word shalom? Shalom. Now, shalom is, does indeed describe the cessation of hostilities. It does indeed mean that. But did you know they still say shalom to each other in Israel when they, when they greet each other? It's like aloha in Hawaii. It's like the, it's the greeting that you say when you, when you come up to someone. And shalom doesn't just mean I wish that there wouldn't be hostility for you, but it's a picture of wishing health and wholeness and completeness. It denotes harmony and tranquility of the soul. Shalom peace is saying, I want wholeness and tranquility for your soul. Not just a cessation of of struggle. Not just that the struggle not be there. But for your soul, I wish wholeness, completeness, tranquility. That that, that your peace comes from outside the circumstance. Do you hear me, church? Your peace comes from outside the circumstance. Think right now. Take a moment with me and think of a person that you know that you think their life is marked by peace. Everybody think of someone. You think someone you know, could be a relative, but you think of them and you think their life is marked by peace. Let me ask you, the face that comes to your mind right now, does that face come to mind because it's someone that you know everything has come to them easily, or they don't go through hardship? I imagine that the face that has come to your mind is a face that comes to mind because you've seen a steadfastness in their life, a confidence in their life, that despite circumstance, there's a a, a rootedness that is evident in their life. Am I I right? I got choked up at that. Am I right? Am I right? You see, there's something about knowing who's in the storm with you that gives you a confidence despite what's raging around you, knowing who's in the boat. Several years ago, I was traveling through the Horn of Africa, and we flew into a, a city called Dar es Salaam, and it's in the Horn of Africa, and we were on our way to a small island nation in the Indian Ocean called Zanzibar, and uh, so it was like getting on a puddle jumper plane, if I've ever seen a puddle jumper plane, and uh, we're in this airport, and we get in, and... Uh, We're there with a big crowd of people waiting to board, and we're waiting for it to board, and we're waiting for it to board. And believe it or not, things don't run quite like they do in the States in some of these airports. And so we're just like, what's going on? And we wait for hours. And then people just start to leave the airport. And they leave our gates. People are just like, oh, guess the plane's not going. And they take off. And we're sitting there like, what's going on? And the gate agent comes up and says, yeah, we're not going to fly the plane today. Okay. 
And, and, and we're like, like, later tonight, maybe a later flight? Nah. <laughs> Probably not. Good chance we won't. Well, will there be a flight tomorrow? Maybe. <laughs> that, that literally, that's the answers we're getting. And, and, and so we're like sitting in this city that's literally hundreds of miles away from the city we even started in, where all our rest of our stuff is, all our resources. We're sitting in the city and, and, I don't know what to do, but we are with someone that was raised in East Africa, in the Horn of Africa, who actually speaks Swahili fluently. My Swahili is pretty rough, believe it or not. Unless, Unless it's, it's a, a quote, quote from, from the Lion King, King I, don't I don't speak Swahili. Swahili. So, <laughs> so he goes to Bath for us, he's working with the gate agents, he's doing all kinds of stuff, and we are there through the night. And the next morning, he worked out a way for us to get on a boat and take the boat to Zanzibar. Something I wouldn't have been able to work out myself. But can I tell you, in all of this, I looked back later and thought, if it was just me in Dar es Salaam's airport, and these gay agents don't speak English, and my Swahili is even worse than their English, what would I have done? Literally no plane. We had to the, to the point of the next day taking a boat. What would I have done? I would have been a panicked mess, especially if my family was with me. I don't have a place to sleep. I don't, they aren't giving out vouchers. I, I don't have a place to go get food. I don't know what I would do. But because I was with someone that was from the place, that spoke the language, that knew the situation, that walked in confidence, do you know what I did that night? I napped at the gate. I didn't have to worry because of who I was with. That, that wasn't, wasn't my concern. concern. It, it was, was being taken care of. That, that was their problem. They had it figured out. I napped. We slept. We dozed. We showed pictures of our trip. We did all this stuff, but we weren't worrying about trying to solve all the things and the anxiety of what could happen. Could we have to live the rest of our lives here? Will I send a postcard home? I don't know. But because I was with, I knew who I was with, it wasn't even a concern. It didn't even come to mind. You see, we need to know who is in the boat with us. And when we know who's in control, who's got it all under control, knows the, the way it's going to end up, knows the way that all of this is going to happen, he holds all the future in, our hand, in his hand, we wouldn't worry so much. I had peace because I knew I was with him. In the same way, we can have peace because we know who is with us. And the second thing we need to recognize is not only is Jesus with us, but we aren't alone out there walking through this life. There's something that I think is skipped over in the story of Mark. If you'll go to the next slide there for me. Um, in the story of Mark, you'll notice in verse uh, 30, 36, it says, And other boats were with them. Sometimes we skip over that part. We think it was like this lone boat out in the ocean bobbing around and we're all doomed. But rather, there were other boats with them. Can I say this? Sometimes we feel like we're doing life all alone. And there's something about anxiety and fear that wants to isolate us. I'm the only one that's ever walked through this. I'm the only, no one cares. No one, no, and, and the enemy would want us to feel isolated and alone. But can I tell you, we don't walk alone. We need each other. And in the same way, others need you. Maybe you've passed through a similar storm. Maybe you've seen that same sickness in your family. Maybe you've walked through loss. Maybe you've walked through the same things. And you can say, I will walk with you. You're not alone. Not, Not alone. alone. The, the Prince, Prince of Peace brings us together. We have a peace with God also. Finally, and this is the biggest one, through it all, we have peace with God. That's what Jesus' ultimate goal was, was to bring us peace between us and God. We all have broken God's law. I have been talking about this every week. We have all sinned. Every one of us have been separated from God. And did you know our sin doesn't just separate us, but the Bible tells, it, tells us that we then become enemies of God. 
enemies of God because sin is so despicable to God. We have been separated from God and each one of us have done this. In Romans 5.1 it says, Therefore though, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? Say it out loud, church. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The Prince of Peace came to make peace between us and God. To make harmony between us and God. The other day, <laughs> and it costs God greatly. I, the other day, we had bacon and eggs for breakfast, and I love bacon and eggs. I love bacon. Eggs are good to come along, too. Um, we had bacon and eggs for breakfast, and we were having a family conversation about this. We said, you know, it's interesting. For this breakfast, the chicken made a donation. The pig had to give everything. We were, we were making that observation. We thought it was funny, but... <laughs> but you think about, God didn't just make a donation for us for our sin. He didn't send a symbolic gesture. He sent everything. It cost Him His life. He sent everything, everything so that we could have peace with God. He gave His best for us. He gave His one and only Son that we could have peace with God. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came not just to free us from anxiety, not just to make, uh, to, to make us feel less anxious and all these things which are good, but ultimately to make peace between us and God. That's probably the thing that would cause us the most anxiety to know. I'm an enemy of God, but He came to give us peace with God. Ephesians 2, 13-14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our what? I'll say it with conviction. He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. While we were the enemies of God, He broke down the walls of hostility so that we could have peace with God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The the word for prince that's used here by, by Isaiah, is Seir. Everybody say Seir. Seir. So he says Seir Shalom. Seir is uh, a word um, that actually went through some, some changes as time went on. Seir became uh, a word that became C-Z-A-R, Zar, which I'm sure you may have heard of at some point. But then that evolved into, became, the Romans started to use it, and it became Caesar. Caesar. And so this, this evolution of this word, this etymology of the word ser, which means the one in charge, the chief, the big jefe, the general, the one that is running the whole show. So Jesus is the one who rules all things peace. He gives all peace. He is the, 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 the main guy, the emperor, our ruler of peace. And he wants to rule peace over in your life. Bring peace that would just flood over your life. And as we enter this new year, I know for many of us, the fear of the unknown is there. Who would have guessed in January of 2020 what 2020 would look like? And I'm sure that caused 2021 anxiety then. What could happen in this year? I think, what could happen in 2022? Let me tell you, God is already there. The Prince of Peace is already there. He's already got it. And He's alive today. He is alive and strong today. And so Henry, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, as he looked at what was going on in his world, he 